Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Okay, you probably already know by now, but after careful evaluation of the current situation in Los Angeles County, and the restrictions and requirements that would have been necessary to hold CanMed 2021 in September, our management team has made the difficult decision to reschedule the event for May 3rd through 5th, 2022. This was not an easy decision to make. It's been almost two years since we had a live CanMed event, but everyone, including the conference organizers, our sponsors, and the presenters, strongly believe that in order for CanMed to be a success, it must take place in a comfortable, collaborative environment, and that's just not possible during these uncomfortable and restrictive times. So we will press on. We will continue to bring you new podcasts every other week. We will continue to interact with the CanMed community on our Facebook group, and we will continue to share all the great CanMed presentation videos that are in our free, searchable CanMed archive on all of our social media channels. You can find links to all those great resources in the show description. And also, if you have not signed up for email alerts yet, you really should. That is the best way to stay up to date with all the updates around the CanMed conference delivered right to your inbox. All right, with that news out of the way, let's get back to the podcast. Our guest this episode is Justin Bueno. Justin is the Scientific Director of Goodness Growth Holdings, Inc., and since joining the company in 2018, Dr. Bueno has published two peer-reviewed articles in the field of cannabis science. One article, published in the Journal of Cannabis Research, described the validation and the science behind the novel TerpSafe packaging system towards the preservation of terpenes in cannabis flower. That article will be the basis for his presentation at CanMed 2022, titled The Preservation and Augmentation of Terpenes in Cannabis Inflorescence. My conversation with Dr. Bueno is all about terpenes, including how terpenes contribute to cannabis effects and overall quality, why using THC potency as an indicator of quality is short-sighted, the difference between terpenes and terpenoids, how the terpene profile of cannabis flower can change over time as molecules evaporate, the inconsistency of terpene concentrations from flower to flower within the same batch, and how the new TerpSafe technology is addressing terpene preservation and batch consistency. Before we get to my conversation with Justin, I would like to thank this episode's sponsor, CannaSafe. CannaSafe is a California-based cannabis analytical testing lab paving the way in the industry through research, education, and social equity efforts. Championing safe and effective cannabis, hemp, and CBD for all, one test at a time. Learn more at csalabs.com. Okay, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Justin Bueno. Good morning, Justin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. 
All right. I'm excited to talk with you today about a topic that I'll admit I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with, and that's terpenes. I say that because I think terpenes are, are truly fascinating compounds for reasons I know that we're going to get into in this conversation. But I still feel like the average consumer out there is very unaware of terpenes. Has that been your experience as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a focus right now in the cannabis industry to look at THC content, which is obviously critically important. But uh, terpenes are relatively um, under-considered when looking at the whole phytochemical composition, especially for newer patients um, as markets are continuing to uh, open up for both medicinal and recreational applications as additional legislation is passing. There's an increase increase in the patient base. And um, to your point, with this increase in patient base, we also need to improve patient education and talk about um, different phytochemicals in the plant outside of cannabinoids. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because I just recently saw an article, I think it was on Weed Maps, and maybe I'll, I'll put a link in the show description so people can read it as well. And it was all about the author was making the case that we need to kind of break this idea that the highest potency the high or the highest THC cannabis flower is the best quality cannabis flower. And that, you know, that's only looking at this one cannabinoid, one specific cannabinoid where you should really be looking at the full breadth of the other cannabinoids. And of course the terpenes as well to really gauge your quality or the experience that you're having with that. So, um, would you agree that the industry is still really kind of stuck in that THC potency number more than anything else? Yeah, it's a great point. And you can kind of understand where this drive originates from. So if a patient's at a dispensary looking at different label claims for cannabis flower or uh, extract products, uh, if they see a higher THC reported value for one product, they associate that with uh, improved efficacy for treating their disease state. You know, if it's uh, looking at pain management or a variety of other uh, conditions, uh, you can see where, um, you know, they'd make the correlation with higher THC content, improved efficacy. But, uh, you know, to what I talked about previously, um, you know, the whole phytochemical composition of the plant really contributes to this efficacy um, across treating a variety of disease states. And when you talk about product quality, that's a really interesting um, attribute because especially experienced cannabis users, uh, when we're talking about flower specifically, really associate the aroma and flavor of cannabis with product quality. And as we can get into, um, we know that terpenes are the main driving force behind this characteristic aroma and flavor of cannabis flower. So terpene content is critically important for both the perceived or actual product quality. And um, as uh, research has shown, there's also interesting medicinal, uh, recreational, and what we can talk about entourage effects um, associated with terpene content and terpene profiles. Yeah, it's a great point. And another point that was made in this article was the, this idea that the the chemotype information for a cannabis flower, it's all based on percent, right? So if you're if you have a very high percentage of THC, then 
it, it makes sense to think that you're going to have a lower percentage of those terpenes. So even though you might have a high THC flower, it might be relatively lower in those beneficial terpenes for quality, aroma, or even effect. Yeah, it's a great point. So there's a couple interesting discussion points around this question. First, um, cannabinoids and terpenes have shared biosynthetic pathways in the plant. So at some stage, there's a precursor that has to be, um, it, it can only be sent towards synthesizing a cannabinoid or synthesizing, for example, a monoterpene. So there may be some type of competition there where, um, depending upon what the plant wants to make, uh, you may drive cannabinoid production, which would relatively reduce uh, terpene content. So that would be one uh, hypothesis to, to look at that relationship. However, kind of in my role at Goodness Growth Holdings, um, we do some interesting uh, fundamental R&D on the cannabis plant. And one project we just completed was looking at uh, different fertilization schedules and their impact on the subsequent uh, phytochemical content of flower after harvest. And we found that, um, and, and it may kind of seem like common sense, the healthier the plant, the higher content uh, of all phytochemicals you'll get in the resulting flower. So um, that kind of is another aspect of that relationship where you're um, getting different ratios of cannabinoids or terpenes, but in general, plant health overall may drive an increase in both uh, phytochemical classes. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that cannabinoids and terpenes may share sort of a precursor molecule that is that is used to synthesize both. Did I understand that correct? You are correct. Huh. Um, so it, it's a couple um, biosynthetic pathways are required to make both cannabinoids and terpenes. And one of the uh, earlier um, reactions the same precursors required for both uh, cannabinoids and terpenes. Wow, that's really that's really interesting. So before before we move on to more of the the nitty gritty science sciencey stuff in terms of terpenes and kind of the organic chemistry and all those things, just before we leave behind maybe some of the folks who aren't as well versed in terpenes, I know that sometimes my mom listens to this podcast and we would totally leave her in the dust. Are there, is there sort of a high level or kind of cliff notes version of what people should understand about terpenes so that they can get the most out of their cannabis experience? Sure. So terpenes are a part of a class uh, called terpenoids more generally that are one of the most prominent class of plant secondary metabolites found in nature. So what is a plant secondary metabolite? So it's a molecule that the plant synthesizes that is not required for its day-to-day -day function or its life cycle. It's used in uh, subsequent interactions, either uh, in ecology and nature. Maybe it's a molecule that would attract some kind of insect that could help spread its pollen, um, or there may be other evolutionary uh, basis for, for wanting to produce this molecule. So terpenes or terpenoids um, 
and that's an interesting uh, thing that we probably should define. So generally, terpenoid is a molecule uh, that contains an oxygen atom. And terpenes are um, within the same class, but aren't oxygenated. So I'm going to use those terms uh, interchangeably or just simplified for this podcast. We can just call them terpenes. Um, but that is one thing in the industry where uh, that's another kind of definition that could confuse uh, newer patients. Um, and is there but, a, and is there a difference in in effect if you if you have one or the other, or is it just sort of um, yeah different stages of of that molecule within the life of the plant? Oh, oh absolutely. So over two hundred different terpenes have been identified in cannabis. So when we're talking about the potential pharmacology of these molecules found in cannabis, we actually have a very broad scope of chemicals. And that results in a potentially broad pharmacology um, from each of these individual molecules. And, you know, some of the highlights, there's been numerous research articles you can find online about pharmacology of terpenes. But some of the highlights I like to uh, emphasize are you know, they've been shown to have anti-inflammatory properties, anxiolytic, which means anti-anxiety, analgesic, and antioxidant properties, among others. And that last one I like to highlight because um, the fact that a terpene may have an antioxidant property, of course, when a patient uh, consumes that terpene, it may protect tissue in the body from free radical damage, but it also may protect uh, other phytochemicals within the plant from oxidative degradation. So for example, a really interesting application would be what do terpenes do to preserve cannabinoid content in cannabis flower or you know, other uh, cannabis-based formulations? That is interesting. But just to go back to the terpene versus terpenoids distinction, um, could, you, could you play that one back and maybe we can explore that a bit more? Sure. So terpenes are part of a class, a broader class called terpenoids. Um, and the accepted definition in the industry would be that a terpenoid has an oxygen atom um, as part of the molecule. And terpenes are part of the same class uh, containing a so-called isoprene unit, um, but without that oxygen atom. So. If we maybe we take one step uh, further up the chain. Um, okay. So terpenes are a part of a class called. If we really want to get into the yeah, let's organic do <laughs> or natural product chemistry, um, terpenes are a part of a class called isoprenoids. So an isoprenoid contains a specific uh, chemical constituent called an isoprene unit, and the most prominent terpenes found in cannabis are monoterpenes, which contain two isoprene units, and sesquiterpenes, which contain three isoprene units. And we can further uh, differentiate these, these classes if we add an oxygen atom to them, or, or numerous oxygen atoms. So oxygenated monoterpenes are often referred to as monoterpenoids, and Oxygenated sesquiterpenes are also often referred to as sesquiterpenoids. But I think for simplicity, um, 
the unit you can refer to all terpenes as just a terpene. Got it. So all the terpenes that we know and love, myrcene, limonene, beta-caryophylline, are they some kind of combination of monoterpenes, sesquiterpenes, or are they kind of all of a similar class? Yeah, it's a great question. So each terpene is only going to belong to one uh, terpene subclass. So for example, myrcene is a monoterpene, beta-caryophylline is a sesquiterpene, um, and those have slightly different um, uh, physical properties based upon their differences in chemical structure. And that actually comes becomes important when we talk about the stability of these various terpenes in uh, formulations or in flower. And we get into that, I think, a bit later. Yeah, we, we, well, let's do that now, because one of the things that's that's common amongst all the terpenes is that they're very volatile compounds, correct? And that they're not... Um, they're not staying around on the flower for very, very long. That's one of the reasons why we're smelling them, right? They're con continually being um, emitted from the flower. So I know that a lot of your research has been done on preserving the terpenes on the flower. So maybe we could talk a bit about the strategies that you have come up with. Yeah, Ben, you're exactly right. So like we mentioned before, terpenes are, are responsible for the characteristic aroma and flavor of cannabis. And um, this is because they're inherently volatile. So they are constantly evaporating from the cannabis plant, mixing with the air. And that uh, provides us an opportunity to smell them because uh, we can access, um, they, they can access our olfactory receptors. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. They smell amazing because they're volatile. But since they're volatile, they're um, evaporating from flour and that causes a relative reduction in concentration of terpenes in flower over time. So there are um, a, a couple parameters we should talk about um, with the associated with the volatility of terpenes. First and foremost, different terpenes are going to have uh, different relative volatilities. The smaller terpenes or monoterpenes are more susceptible to loss over time as compared to the larger terpenes, uh, sesquiterpenes. So um, when a patient you know, uses flour on day one, they're going to have um, one terpene profile and terpene content. And that may provide them with a certain efficacy that they are looking for. Over time, that not only is that profile going to change due to loss of terpene content due to their inherent volatility, but the overall terpene content is also going to be reduced. So that's where the loss in product quality is really um, uh, exaggerated over time due to the uh, volatility of terpenes. And not only product quality, but potentially the efficacy of the flower may change towards treating different disease states if we're changing the terpene profile. For example, many monoterpenes are associated with analgesic properties. So if those are the terpenes that are evaporating first, you may not get that same pain relief um, from your cannabis flower on day, I don't know, 30 as compared to day one uh, after purchase. So, um, you know, it's important to try to understand this from a scientific perspective about what is the rate of loss of these terpenes. And... Um, there's been some prior research uh, done on this. So 
Dr. Sholey, of course, was ahead of the game and published a paper in the 90s um, describing a 45% loss of terpene content in cannabis flower over a one-month storage period. So that that's a pretty quick loss. Uh, almost half of your terpenes are gone over a one month um, one one month after purchase, pretty much of your of your package product. Wow. Uh, we also recently published a paper that showed a similar result. Fifty uh, percent of the terpene content was lost after four weeks of storage. And this does depend. Th this rate of degradation does kind of depend on a couple factors: environmental factors, including temperature. Um, the terpene profile, like I said, if it's if it's dominated by monoterpenes, you're more susceptible to a uh, faster uh, reduction in terpene content, and kind of the patient's um, cadence of use of the product. So the fundamental reduction in terpene content from cannabis flower comes from the fact that terpenes are volatile and they evaporate from the flower and they'll fill the headspace of the packaging that the flower is in. And when a patient goes to use that flower, they open up the container and the terpenes that are in the headspace are lost in the environment. So, um, you know, how often are the patient is using flower, opening that opening and closing that container will also affect the rate of degradation. And I would, I would imagine the, the method of storage would, would change that too, versus if you have it in a, <clears throat> excuse me, plastic bag versus a, a glass jar or, or something like that. Absolutely. So the permeability of these terpenes through different media may affect the the rate of loss. Um, something like glass, you, you wouldn't expect terpenes to penetrate that medium, um, whereas certain plastics, they may be able to uh, penetrate over time. Um, so yes, I would agree with that assessment. And you mentioned temperature as well. And I know that, you know, one of the old school ways of, of storing your cannabis was to throw it in a freezer. Is that a good strategy or no? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the application that you're uh, you're looking for. Um, it, when we talk about uh, grower operators looking to obtain a product such as live resin, which would mimic the phytochemical composition of flour at the time of harvest, they do freeze that product immediately after uh, harvest to preserve that native uh, terpene content at the time of harvest. Um, so, so that temperature is a, a critical parameter in uh, terpene evaporation. The hotter the temperature, the faster the terpenes will evaporate and be lost from canvas flour. All right. So yeah, let's, let's talk a bit about the research that you've done and that you're going to be sharing at CAMED 2021, that's about some novel technology that you have developed to preserve and maybe even reintroduce terpenes into flower. Do I have that correct? Yes, we're very excited um, at Goodness Growth about our novel patent pending terp safe technology. So the uh, origin of this product was when we talked to cultivators. Um, they said that, you know, th their biggest fear is losing terpene content after harvest. They can cultivate the most beautiful, uh, cannabis flower with amazing aromas and terpene profiles, but after harvest, um, they're susceptible to terpene loss. And of course there are things you can do with drying and curing 
that kind of reduce um, uh, terpene loss. Uh, you know, a slower, lower dry will preserve terpenes versus a hot, quick dry. But you know, that that can only get you so far. Once it's in the final package product, kind of like what we talking about before, terpenes will evaporate from the flower and be lost in the environment over time. So uh, with that in mind, uh, we developed the uh, TerpSafe technology. And the main principle behind it is um, if your patients are, or excuse me, if your listeners are familiar with the, uh, here, maybe I'll take a step back. <laughs> Grab a drink. Sure. So the main principle behind the TerpSafe technology is the addition of external or exogenous terpenes to the packaging system. And we feel that this is a uh, meaningful we, we feel that this is one of the first meaningful improvements to cannabis packaging in some time so the principle is based on Le Chatelier's principle if your listeners remember from general chemistry so terpenes are in an equilibrium as far as the vapor stage or the solid stage. So the solid, solid stage terpenes are a part of the cannabis flower, and they're in equilibrium evaporating and condensing back on that cannabis flower over time. Hmm. With the TerpSafe system, we're adding additional vapor phase terpenes to the cannabis packaging to drive terpenes back into that solid phase of the cannabis flower. And in a peer-reviewed study, we showed that we can maintain the native terpene content of cannabis flower for up to six weeks. And we are continuing um, to research this technology, and we hope to make additional claims in the future about longer uh, storage durations. So not only does this maintain the product quality as far as the flavor and aroma of cannabis flower longer, it should also provide a more reliable efficacy from dose to dose for cannabis patients, as we are providing a more reliable terpene profile and content independent upon many factors that can cause variability in those two parameters. So if I understand correctly, then the package itself is containing terpenes that that aid in sort of keeping the the terpenes in the solid stage so that they stay on the flower so do you have to have the same terpene profile in the package to match what the flower has yeah that's a great question so again it depends on what application you're looking at so uh, one of the basic applications uh, for this technology is to obtain a, a terpene extract that mimics the profile of your cannabis flower and that mm -hmm. will uh, preserve that terpene profile longer as compared to a sample without TerpSafe or a control. Another application that we're looking at developing is tuning the terpene profile to achieve um, specific concentrations of various terpenes for targeted disease states. And this would coincide with additional research um, around terpene pharmacology, but we're really excited about that aspect from a medicinal 
uh, or that application from a medicinal aspect. Yeah. So in that case, could you take sort of a flower that's where, you know, a lot of the, the terpene content has been evaporated off and then sort of put it into this packaging and reintroduce some terpenes into it? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's one of the experiments we report in the uh, peer-reviewed paper. We rejuvenate um, cannabis flower that was relatively depleted of terpene content. So I think the flower had about 0.1% uh, terpene, so uh, almost non-existent. Um, you know, typically flower available for um, for consumption has about one to three percent terpene content. So you know, we're an order of magnitude below that. And using TerpSafe, we uh, reinvigorated or rejuvenated that terpene content uh, upwards of one percent. So now we're achieving uh, a terpene content suitable for um, pulmonary delivery. Excellent. And now, is there sort of a, a limit to the amount of terpenes that you can reintroduce into a flower? Like, is there just so much that it will, that it will, will take on? Yes. Um, and, and you can tune uh, that value by the amount of uh, external terpenes added to the TerpSafe system. Hmm. So we found a linear relationship between the amount of external terpenes introduced and the resulting uh, terpene content of the flower. So this would provide uh, grower processors with a application to obtain cannabis flower with a specific terpene content, you know, based upon uh, market and, and patient needs. Excellent. And so now what is the, what is the size of this packaging? Is this more for, you know, wholesale large batches or is this even down to like the individual uh, packaging that a, a consumer would, would take home? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we have launched TerpSafe uh, nationally through licensing our patent to e-bottles and we can get that and we can get into that in a little bit, but basically the TerpSafe system can be used at any scale, packaging size, um, independent on, on flower amount. But for our initial launch, we have um, an all-in-one system where the TerpSafe component is integrated directly into the cap of the cannabis packaging jar. So um, I think the initial system is for 3.5 grams of uh, cannabis flower or an eighth, a pretty common amount in the industry. But uh, future iterations, um, you know, it will be independent upon size. Um, simply for larger batches, uh, you know, for a grower processor who wants to preserve uh, terpene content prior to uh, packaging that material, um, you can just add a couple of these uh, terp-safe components to a larger amounts, and you get that same preservation that a patient will experience in their um, 3.5 gram container. Excellent. And now how many different terpenes are you able to, to use in this system? I know we mentioned that there are, there are over 200. Um, how, how many different ones are you able to reintroduce or preserve? So we found in our uh, initial study that the system was effective independent upon terpene utilized. Now the uh, rate of uh, preservation or infusion 
may vary based upon uh, terpene utilized. We found that the monoterpenes are more volatile, so they offer a higher infusion rate uh, as compared to sesquiterpenes. But in principle, um, any terpene can be utilized in this system. That includes uh, terpenes derived from botanical non-cannabis sources, terpenes extracted from cannabis plants can be reintroduced to get that strain-specific uh, terpene profile preservation. And um, even synthetic terpenes could be utilized if the appropriate uh, safety uh, considerations are um, adhered to. Wow, well, that's really, that's really fascinating. Um, I w and before, I know we're kind of wrapping up here, but I, I did want to touch on just the difficulty of actually measuring terpenes. I know that's something that's come up in, in conversations that I've had with others who are kind of in the analytical space or the, the testing space. How difficult is it to, to test for, for terpenes specifically within the cannabis matrix? Is that um, one of the reasons why maybe not a lot of labs are testing for it and why when we go to the dispensary, we don't always see terpene content um, on packaging? Yeah, as with any botanically derived samples, there's going to be inherent heterogeneity. So there's going to be variability across mm. cannabis flower, um, you know, even from the same location on the cannabis plant. And like I mentioned uh, earlier in the talk, there are numerous sources that can cause uh, variability in terpene profile and terpene content. And these include uh, cultivation and grow practices, how you're curing and drying your flower, genetic, um, and, and numerous other factors. So because of this, there, there is an inherent heterogeneity of the sample that can definitely um, oh. cause difficulties providing an accurate and precise uh, terpene content when tested. Um, another thing is that Terpene analysis is expensive. If you know a grow processor wants to do it in-house, the equipment is quite expensive. The headspace uh, GCMS uh, is not cheap, and you need someone with um, some sort of experience or skill to operate it. On the other hand, um, I've found uh, as as we do uh, terpene analysis in-house that has supported some of this research we discussed today. Um, there's over 200 terpenes that have been identified in cannabis flower, but um, when you're analyzing uh, for terpene content, you're not going to quantitate all 200 of those. So there's going to be a lot of potentially uh, interfering compounds. They're quite similar as far as many of them are isomers of one another. Um, so my point is that terpene analysis takes a lot of time to get an accurate and um, to interpret the data to get an accurate and precise result. So for a third-party testing lab that has to pay an analyst to do this, there's definitely um, you know, a labor component that is represented in what the charge for, for that analysis is going to be. So a grower processor really has to um, weigh if they want to spend that uh, amount of money to determine terpene content, um, even though you know most new patients are not familiar with what a terpene even is. So is there any added value there? Right. So I think the USP cannabis expert panel recommends the quantitation of five terpenes for uh, all cannabis flower products. 
but um, you know, I don't think the the industry ha- has caught up to that yet. And frankly, five is is probably too minimal. We, you know, twenty or more, maybe a little bit more appropriate. But um, you know, with further uh, patient education and maturity of the industry, uh, hopefully we we can improve this, and that may result in improved uh, outcomes for patients if they have more information to make their decision decisions on what cannabis uh, product to buy. Absolutely. And, and it's a great point you make about sort of the, you know, the heterogeneity of, of the plants themselves that, you know, if you take one, one bud from one section of the plant and compare it to another, uh, they could have different concentrations of these terpenes. And then if you, layer in the other variables of, of time how, how how long has it been since that sample was analyzed until it gets to you and could the the chemotype have changed between then and now so it does it does make sense that your solution here is is going to create a much more consistent product uh so that people can get some more reliable results yeah ben you described one of our main applications for terp save which is a more reliable terpene profile and terpene content across the entire batch of cannabis flower. And um, we envision batch to batch reproducibility. As you know, different harvests, if plants are grown in the winter versus the summer, may have different terpene profiles. If they're exposed to different amount of light, they'll have different terpene profiles. So all all of these are factors that we can um, reduce their impact on the variability of terpene profile uh, of cannabis flower using uh, the terp safe technology. All right, excellent. So winding down here, I did want to give you an opportunity to uh, share any additional information that you think the listeners might be interested in. That could be a website, or, um, social media accounts, or some of the studies that you may have mentioned. Uh, I'll, I'll jot down the notes and be sure to put them in the in the show description so people can learn more. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ben. So our peer reviewed paper talking about the science uh, proof of concept and validation studies of TerpSafe was published in the Journal of Cannabis Research. So you can find our paper there. Our website is terpsafe.com. That is T-E-R-P-S-A-F-E.com. And um, there is an email uh, contact us there. So please feel free to reach out with any questions. And uh, that brand is available nationally through our um, partner eBottles. And our in-house TerpSafe brand, known as Amplify, is available at Goodness Growth Holdings dispensaries in Maryland and Arizona. And those dispensaries would be uh, green goods dispensaries. All right. Excellent. Thanks again, Justin, for, for coming on and talking terpenes with us. And I look forward to seeing you out in Pasadena for CAMMED. Hey, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Justin Bueno. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, CannaSafe. Our next episode drops September 15th. That's two weeks from today. In the meantime, please do check out the CanMed archive and join the CanMed community Facebook group to stay connected with us. Of course, you can also stay in touch with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Just look for CanMed events. 
Also, sign up for their email alerts on cammedevents.com and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I do sincerely hope to see all of you out in Pasadena this spring, but until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and join us on the next CanMed Coffee Talk.